Off the Cuff Franchising, Episode 6. Oh yeah. Welcome everyone to another exciting episode of Off the Cuff Franchising. And with me on the line is Roger Pemperton, an executive business coach and business owner with Action Coach, the number one business coaching franchise in the world. He's also an approved growth coach for Growth Accelerator, which is something we'll maybe get to get into in this conversation. Hi, Roger. How are you? Yeah, hi. I'm uh, very well, thank you. hope you are too. That's good. Um, my first question is, with that introduction, did you know when you were a kid that's what you wanted to do? That one day, say, one day I'll be a business coach and business owner way back when you were you know, five or six or just... <laughs> I'd like to say yes, but the, the honest answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, my, my father was a, a factory manager in the, um, with Unilever, and we, we travelled abroad quite a bit um, yeah. with his roles. And so I always um, had an interest in the manufacturing environment. And so I, I spent the first, after graduating in um, chemical engineering and management, my first, my, my main, I suppose, my main career in terms of um, time as, as an employee was within the food industry um, where I worked for um, 25 years, yeah. 10 of years of which it was at a general management level. But it was during that stage that I, A, I learned how to run businesses yeah. and B, I believe I learned how to coach people to give a good performance. And so I, um, I think that I use that almost as a, as a formative ground and it was there that I I learned the the, the pleasure and the um, fulfilment that I do get from helping other people to f- perform better. So I think it was actually it was one step removed from the childhood thing, but it definitely yeah. did come through my food industry experience that I learned the, uh, the that coaching was something that was right for me. Yeah. Do you remember the first instance you ever coached anyone? In a, in a business sense, I, I think as a as a manager and as a supervisor, I I think, and then moving on up through to a, you know to a different level, I think working with shop floor in, in, a, in a factory environment, yeah, um, there's always an element of direction and coaching going on, and so yeah. I would say really probably from very early on in my in in my uh, my, my business career, I suppose within the food industry. Yeah, um, I, I didn't see that as big. It was it was almost a means to an end rather than being the end in itself. Yeah, um, but it did definitely. Um, it was something that I, as I said, I I, I think it's something that I instinctively was pretty good at, and it was something that I, I very much enjoyed. Yeah, mm-hmm. well, it's something that, that came across in the YouTube video of yours that I watch on your LinkedIn profile, and mm-hmm. for any everyone listening, it's something well worth watching. It's a five minute video. Uh, just illustrating the work that Roger does and one of the quotations that caught my there were two of them and I I emailed you about these as well Roger and it was one was by from Simon Gray who's the MD of Credo Asset Finance and he said just by increasing those five elements by a small percentage makes a massive difference to your bottom line and he was referring to something that Roger had helped coach him and his business in and the other quotation was where Roger said, it's a series of strategy 
which is based around first of all assessing that the owner has got mastery of their business and that they've got a business that is ready to grow so I wanted to talk to you about this before I asked you about your biggest insight into franchising because you're both a business owner of a franchise and you're working with different types of business owners but on these points it seems to me that your first-hand your formative experience of manufacturing and seeing the nuts and bolts that go into running a business seems to be giving you that awareness I was just intrigued how did you besides the the franchise system you're working with how does your mind does your mind naturally look for the different areas of you know, breaking a business down into its smallest elements I was intrigued to see you know, the thinking that goes behind that approach I think there's a combination of things in there. I, I am, as you know, an action coach, and and action coach effectively. When I bought into the action coach franchise, yeah. what I really did was I bought a business improvement system, yeah. and so and that is very much set around implementation of strategies in a planned manner yeah. that can systematically help business owners to improve their business towards the goals that are set. So. So I think I, it would be wrong of me to take all the credit for that. I think Brad Sugars and Action Coach are the ones who devised the system, and I think they're yeah. the ones who really should get the the major credit for that. And, and I think hopefully what I can do is I can I, I've been able to apply that effectively with the clients that I worked with. Yeah. However, I think that um, as a working in a in a corporate environment, working in the manufacturing industry, yeah. you do find yourself. Um, regularly working against budgets, looking at how you can make improvements, and certainly I spent quite a bit of time um, in my latter years working with continuous improvements and some of those ideas, and really I think yeah. coaching is a sort of a continuous improvement journey, really, so yeah. um, I think there is a there is an overlap between the two, and, and it was probably seeing that within the Action Coach offer that made me feel it was something that would be appropriate for me to use. Yeah, because I want to ask you that, because in a, an interview I had, I think it was um, Tuesday, I was speaking to Nathan Sikirsky, and he was bringing out the, the insight that despite having the best franchising system in the world, whatever it is, the mm. franchisee still has to bring their own instincts and their own perseverance to it. And somebody else in, I think it was in the off-the-cuff franchising ebook that different people contributed to. They were saying that the system won't do the work unless you do the work. And so it's I'm intrigued to see what kinds of people are drawn to which each franchise system because from the comments I read online about the work you're doing with the business owners in Norfolk, it's evident that there's something that you do that is working with their businesses and in your quotation where you said about assessing whether a business well assessing that an owner has got mastery of their business and that they've got a business that is ready to grow how do you assess that the owner's got mastery of their business is it intuition or is there you know hard numbers how do you approach that well again within action coach we we look for mastery in four areas yeah we need to see before a business is able to grow safely. Yeah. And we say that once you've achieved those, that the business can be seen to be stable and ready for growth. Yeah. And those four areas are that there's a destination, there's clarity of a plan. Yeah. So 
Yeah. Secondly, there needs to be sufficient time in the business to allow the owner and the senior team to actually do the things that are required yeah. to develop and grow. Yeah. Because if there isn't any time, then all that happens is they manage by constraints and the constraints will get in the way of their progress. Yeah. Thirdly, there needs to be good delivery. The business has to provide a product or service yeah. at a good enough standard that their customers come back. So you need to look for repeat custom. Yeah. And fourthly, there needs to be a financial basis which says, actually, if we grow the revenue, we can grow the profit. So, yeah. so those are the four areas that I always work with business owners, first of all, just to check that they've got those in place. Yeah. And, and if they haven't, those have to be rectified and those have to be worked upon yeah. before you can really start looking at growing the business. Yeah. In your experience, have you found that of those four areas, there are any in particular that many business owners fall short in, just in, your, in the area that you're working in, or is it everyone can improve, has an area to improve in? Are there any major culprits out of those four that you can I, I think that the, the one that is often missing is the destination or the plan, the clarity of the vision yeah. is often not there, um, oh. because businesses often business owners have had a tendency in smaller businesses to almost get caught up by the reactive pressures of coping with their customer requirement. Yeah. So uh, having a proactive plan that, uh, and a vision that di dictates their future decisions yeah. is, is one that can often be missing. Yeah. Um, time is always, almost always an issue. Yeah. Um, and actually, um, the one that is most likely to be there is delivery. Bus business owners, small business owners, usually put a lot of pride into what they do, yeah. and will often therefore create a good customer service. And so, I, I would say the reverse is the case. Actually, the one that I normally expect to find there is the, deli is the delivery. Yeah. The other three are, are, are more variable. Financial is, is a mix. Sometimes they've got good financial situations in place. Sometimes they haven't. So that's probably the one that varies most. Yeah. So the two that I think are most usually lacking is clarity of vision yeah. and time in the business to, to develop it. Yeah. Because what I find fascinating is, in one sense, you're on the front line of the different news headlines we hear about the state of the economy mm -hmm. and how a lot of the business or the economy is driven by the decisions made by the business owners you work with or come across. So it's that's what I find fascinating that you're able to see almost the symptoms of what might be leading to major problems further down the line. Do you think there's a just on that point about vision? Because I'd imagine that the business owners, business people going to business, going it with an idea of something that they want to do. Do you find that they, the pressures of running a business, cause them to lose their way, or a number of them don't even have a way? They maybe just see an opportunity to start a business around something? I, I think that there is a, a, a variety. In general terms, most business owners I come across will, will have said, will say to me early on that the last time they had a formal business plan was the one they presented to the bank when they set the business up. Yeah. So as, as, a, as an external document, usually the only thing they've got will be that original plan. Yeah. And that was done to secure funding rather than to really set clarity of vision yeah there are some who have got absolute clear ideas of where they want to go and they're wanting help along the journey yeah but they are i would say they're in the minority mm. and the majority i believe have had an idea yeah. they, it was something that they either had an interest in or a skill in or 
where they saw an opportunity yeah. and then they sort of looked to see where it goes to create a demand yeah. and, and then looked to satisfy that demand, which is fine. And, and actually, that, you know, there's, there's nothing wrong with any of that. Yeah. If you're really then going to put a systematic plan in place yeah. to grow towards a target, yeah. uh, you have to just maybe set a level of ambition that might be greater than was originally there. I think, you know, again, one of the things that we talk about in Action Coach is that there can be three types of goals that a business owner can have. One would be an away-from goal. In other yeah. words, I want to stop having this situation occurring. Yeah. One will be a towards goal. In other words, I've got a vision. Yeah. And the third thing will be a community goal. What can I do to that goes wider than just what I need myself? Yeah. And we try to take people through that from being away from goals into towards goals and then start working on community goals. Yeah. Do you find it's a challenge to sell people on accepting those different areas that you, you go, like when you come using the action coach model, yeah. one thing I'm intrigued in is, is there resistance to people um, where people feel bad about having a coach or feel, you know, I'm in business, I don't need a coach and you have to spend time overcoming that, or are you finding that there's quite a bit of openness to you coming in and giving them advice and direction? I've been, co I've been coaching now for seven years, and I would say over that seven years, we've seen a change in the acceptance of coaching yeah. um, within, within the SME sector. Yeah. I think in my if I go back to my food industry career, yeah. when I first came in as a graduate, there wasn't much being done in terms of mentoring or coaching within a, a within a, uh, a corporate environment. Then yeah. corporate coaching became very much accepted over that twenty or thirty years. Yeah, it was really starting in the SME sector. Yeah, from the nineties really, and I, and I would say certainly in the last seven years, it is now more of an accepted thing. And I, and I've got clients who will proudly introduce me and say, here's my business coach. Oh. Um, they, they, they will talk about me. They'll, they, they'll be public with their team about me. They'll talk to their customers about me and introduce me to them, you know, to, to their people. So I've, I think it's become something that possibly through um, seeing sports coaching being, you know, obviously you often see the, the sports coaching um, being, or sports achievers often credit their coaches for their yeah. success. And, and so I think as over the past few years, I believe there's been a greater acceptance. If you look at the, the normal innovation curve, yeah. I think we were very much at the early adapter stage, early adopter stage. Yeah. As we're going into now more of a, 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 a small, you know, a, a more significant majority, but we're still on the on the front side of the curve. Aha. Uh -huh. So it's more approaching the part of that bell curve where, where it's the masses are starting to we're, accept it. We're certainly climbing up that hill, I would say, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's yeah. interesting because it's, that's something I wondered about because if you're in an environment where you're having to sell people on the fact that professionals use coaches, amateurs don't, and then once you get them to accept that, then implement your systems, that's a very different um, experience from when they openly say, I need a coach to take me to the next level, mm -hmm. and then you're just able to get right in there. And, and on your bio, it talks about how you're an approved growth coach for Growth Accelerator, yeah. and Ian Cristolo, who was kind enough to pass me on your details, he was talking about Growth Accelerator and also about a study that was done, I think, in Manchester about the effects of Action Coach. Would you mind 
uh, telling the audience a bit about Growth Accelerator. For those who yeah, don't Growth know. Accelerator is, is a is a scheme that's been set up by the Department of Business Innovation and Skills. Yeah. And there's a 200 million pounds fund available for use on um, business coaching. Yeah. So it's it's available for any businesses that want to grow their business by 15 percent or more per annum. Yeah. Over the next three years, they have to have a number of employees of less than 250 yeah and they have they, they really ought to be a limited company yeah so if they fit those three criteria yeah and they feel the coaching would be beneficial to them yeah then this scheme is a, is a great way to effectively give ease them into it and to minimize their outlay yeah. during the early months of coaching yeah prior to the scheme being in place and and beyond the scheme if you like <coughs> I've, I've always said to clients who I work with, yeah. that they, they should expect to see that the business can pay for the coaching yeah. by the improvements that we make within three or four months. Yeah. What this scheme basically does is it gives them a, a, a significant discount over those first three or four months. Yeah. So it, it reduces the cash that they have to put into the process yeah. before they start getting a return on their investment. That's really good. So in a way, it's the government's endorsing the it's endorsing the need for coaching and making it taking away a lot of the risk, the financial yeah. risk, to make it easy to even yeah. just give it a go. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. And I, I like the focus that you have on them experiencing results to see that the coaching pays for itself within a, a fixed amount of time. I actually think that if we go back to what I said before about corporate coaching and the move to SME coaching, yeah. Inevitably, when you look at a small business or a small medium-sized business, yeah. The focus of Action Coach is that we look at return on investment. Yeah. So in a corporate environment, mentoring would be growing the person as an individual, yeah. looking to improve their effectiveness. Yeah. And the business that was doing that would hope to see some sort of improvement in company results. Yeah. But I don't think very many corporate coaches used to really focus on outcomes that could be measured in pound, shilling and pence yeah. in, old, in old terms. Whereas... We very much do coach. I think the change to working with the SME sector is we really do coach looking to provide that return on investment. Yeah. So it's not a vanity project. It's not a, it is an education within their business, but it's an education where we use their business to provide the results that, that, that take them forward towards their goals. Yeah. Well, that's interesting because it's, you can measure. It's not just based on, you being motivational or giving an opinion it's you can at the end of your uh, of the day or the month or the three months you have tangible things that you can point to to say yeah. we did this and this is the outcome i really like that um but you said you've been with action coaches it since 2007 yeah so in your experience as uh, an owner of a, an action coach franchise um, as well as a coach within, you know, with Action Coach, what's your, if you could share one insight, one important insight about your experience of franchising or being a franchise owner, just anything to do with it, what would it be? The, the, the first, the most, the most important, I think there's two most important things, two, mo two things I would say are, are most important. One yeah. is that you have to believe that the, the model or the system that you, you're buying into is something that will fit with your own skill set, values and beliefs. Yeah. Because in the end, you are playing to somebody else's tune. Yeah. And, and you have to 
Yeah. And then secondly, you, you, you need to be comfortable that you're getting the support, ongoing input and support from the franchise or yeah. the franchise team as you develop. I actually, and I think one of the reasons that Ian gave you my name as uh, of the coaches to talk to is yeah. I, I have got a, a sort of second string to my bow, which is that I'm also a, a business expansion consultant with uh-huh. business options. And so I actually advise businesses who are looking to set up and take the business and turn it into a franchise. Yeah. I actually advise them. And, and I always say to them, of all the things that they need to consider, yeah. franchise support and ensuring that franchisees buy into what you're looking to do, yeah. see the ongoing value of what you offer, yeah. is the most important part of setting a franchise up. Yeah. And so it's something that I've experienced as a franchisee yeah. But I also consult on it when I'm working with other businesses who are setting their franchises up. That's fascinating. Because one thing, when I was thinking about this dynamic of franchising, and you've got the the franchisor who set up the business and then considers, I want, it to, I want to grow it through the franchising business model. And then you have the person who buys into it. That first point you made about playing to somebody else's tune, do you find that there's some kind of reluctance in some people to just do it the way it's been handed to them without tinkering with it? I th- yeah, and I, th- I think it's, it's, it's human nature to want to, to, to dabble and tinker. Yeah. And effectively, if the franchise has been set up appropriately, that's one of the things that you're really not buying. Yeah. You're buying something that shouldn't need that tinkering. Yeah. So, so accepting that and being confident that it will do as you want it to it, it, it is very important in my view. So, so how would you ad- address somebody's objection who wants to go into business, but it feels that it takes away some of their own maybe individuality or initiative where they're just told, follow this, where it almost feels like a job instead of a business or whatever the ideas of a business. Have you come across that kind of objection and how have you addressed that? Well, I guess, I guess because I work with franchisors or the people who are setting them up, I, I tend to be working to avoid that objection of being, being seen. Yeah. But the, the, the point, the, 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 the way that I would look at it would be to say that actually, if you've got a successful model, yeah. business model that works, that's effectively what you're selling when you sell your franchise. Yeah. So by the very nature of that, yeah. one of the key, the key words that everybody talks about franchising is protection of brand and consistency yeah so if you go to an action coach in norfolk or go to an action coach in cambridge or in liverpool or london wherever yeah there should be although we'll be very different people yeah we'll use the same business improvement system yeah and effectively we'll work to the same culture and values yeah so imposition of culture is is massively important to yeah. any franchise and so a franchisee has to accept that that, that that's a strength not a, not a weakness yeah so i would say anybody who doesn't feel comfortable with that probably shouldn't be looking going into franchising yeah so in one sense there's an element one of the things you said earlier about believing so they almost have to be emotionally engaged with what the brand stands for yeah we we we, we talk about congruence in, in, in action coach yeah and congruence effectively means that you know you're 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 living to the you're practicing what you preach yeah and, and i think as a congruence is a key word for franchising because a franchisee has to be congruent to what the franchise is achieving yeah and, and is setting out to do and, and without that congruence yeah 
inconsistency will occur yeah. and people who try the same franchise in two different locations will start seeing differences uh-huh. yeah, and, and people will always say about you know the, the archetypal mcdonald's thing yeah is whether they're good burgers or bad burgers they're always the same yeah and so that consistency you know from the from the biggest franchise that people always talk about is consistency is that number one yeah um business you know business business principle really yeah because i think so just from my experience maybe the consistency of a franchise system that has been proven and tested you know over years in many many situations sometimes overshadows the the important need of there to be a passionate buy-in to the what the brand stands for that motivates you to consistently follow the systems yeah and i guess so then do you find that there's an emphasis then on people on franchisors being able to say no to the wrong kinds of people who want to buy into the system, but they can see actually they don't actually buy into it. They just want the benefits of it working. Yeah, absolutely, and and I think you know it's it's one of the important parts in franchise recruitment is is that people do understand they they understand the responsibility, and actually it all needs to be built into the operation manual, and it all needs to be you know set out as being part of brand protection. Brand protection is one of the fundamentals of. You know, one of the fundamental things that a franchisee, franchisor has to get right yeah. when, they're their, when they're setting their franchise up. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, just to give you an example, you know, I talked about support. Yeah. Um, Brad Sugars, who set up Action Coach, and then Ian and Julie, who run the franchise in, in you know, across the, most of the UK now, yeah. my master licensee, yeah. um, they've just put on a, a, a client's um, conference in Brighton. Yeah. And we had a day where, as coaches, we got coached. Yeah. And then we had two days where we took clients down and they got coached. Yeah. The the value that clients get from that is is fantastic. I mean, I took um eight people along with me and you know, it's a great client retention tool because they're already now working on a whole new agenda of things that they can bring in. They got some great education, yeah. Like reinforcement of some of the action coach principles and they heard some high quality um external speakers. Now that's the sort of thing that a good franchise should put on for the franchisees and yeah. coach certainly did for me so I value that and it's the sort of thing that you know as a franchisee you need to look at what will the franchisor do for you and as a franchisor you need to be thinking what am I going to do for these guys to keep them to keep them feeling loved and to fe- keep their feeling they're developing so it's so it's a two-sided thing it's where the franchisor needs to put themselves in the shoes of somebody who is going to buy into their into their franchise and think what would what do they need and what would they want and then you're saying also that somebody who's looking at buying into one needs to be aware of these kinds of levels of support yeah so oh. I, I believe so because in the end you know a franchisee pays an, ele- an element of their revenue for the privilege of having the franchise and yeah. they see the ongoing value that's really interesting because your your experience as somebody who's Advise who advises people who want to take their business and turn it into a franchise gives you that unique perspective because you're almost in every sort of category with personal experience. I find that fascinating. One thing I actually, one thing it does allow me to do is to be rude about franchisees because I am one. Yeah. <laughs> and, and what I mean by that is people who take a franchise as the way to set up the business aren't true entrepreneurs. Yeah. If you're a true entrepreneur, you wouldn't want to follow somebody else's rules. Yeah. And so actually a good franchisee shouldn't be too entrepreneurial uh-huh. and so i actually explain that to 
say that when you're looking for the people you want to take as a franchisee, you want to find people who can run a good, solid business, take yeah. pride in what they're doing, but they actually actively welcome the bits that you offer them. Uh-huh. That's an that interesting... That makes sense to you. Sorry, go on. That, I said, does that make sense? It make, Yeah. Um, so it's saying the perfect franchisee is not an entrepreneur. Mm. That's my view. My, my view is the entrepreneur will set the franchise up. Yeah. Or run their own business and, and not go into franchising. Interesting. So you'd have someone like Richard Branson wouldn't be the perfect franchisee, for example, so a, mm. a type of person like that. Yeah, because you feel stifled by, by the other person's vision and, and values being imposed on them. Aha. Uh-huh. So do you find that there are people, if you say it just as straight as that, that is there any stigma attached to that? Or somebody think if there's a need to prove, no, I am an entrepreneur, or some people are actually okay with that, that, that they actually don't want to set something up from scratch. They want to run a business that gives them the freedom that they want for their own lives. Or do you find that there's an emotional element where people want to, they fight against either being seen as an entrepreneur or not being seen as an entrepreneur? Because sometimes the two, the entrepreneur and business, sometimes can be very intertwined. Yeah. Um, I, my experience has been that not that many franchisees leave education and go straight into a franchise. Yeah. Usually they've had some sort of level of job. Yeah. And put simply, Buying a franchise, you're really buying a job. Yeah, you're, you're buying something that is set up that enables you to go and run it yourself. Yeah, so you get a level of you get a level of business opportunity. Yeah, but within a framework. So yeah. actually, it's a sort of a self-fulfilling prophecy, really. I think. Yeah. Um, but it's I, I always make sure the franchisors are aware of that because actually, the reason that franchises, if, if you look at the figures of Four out of five businesses will go out, will go out of business within the first five years of being set up. Yeah. But for franchises, it's more like fifty percent do. Yeah. The reason for that higher success rate is because a good franchise has been built on a successful model. Yeah. So actually, the people who buy into the franchise sort of should understand that they're buying something that has got a proof of working behind it. Yeah. So it's it it, but people who genuinely want to go and create their own thing would yeah. therefore not really be attracted to a franchise i don't think yeah and so it so it's just a, it's just a point i think that it's worth a franchise or being aware of because somebody who is too individualistic and doesn't really value what they're buying into yeah. is more likely to become a bad franchisee because they'll try and tweak and change and actually won't represent them as well yeah that's interesting because robert kiyosaki talks about the four quadrants and talks about how there's the E quadrant for the employed, the S quadrant for the self-employed, the B quadrant for business owners, and then the I quadrant for investors. Mm -hmm. And he often emphasizes, he says, neither one of them is better than the other. He'll talk about, he say, I'll advise people to be in the B and I because it gives you more options, Mm -hmm. but you can find success and fulfillment in any of them, and he gives lots of examples. Mm-hmm. So, in one way, only being a franchisee is like being a, a successful franchisee is almost like a successful S quadrant yes. person. I would say so, yes. Yeah. yeah. In the same way that a professional athlete who has to follow the systems that the coach lays down. You know, I, I notice you're a big Liverpool fan as well. I so, am. <laughs> so, you don't want the players on the field 
changing what they're going to do in the middle of the coach saying, this is what we need to do in the last minute of time. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. uh, that's fascinating because it's, uh, it's giving a lot more clarity. And I guess when somebody is okay with that and they're able to say, this is who I am, this is what I'm trying to achieve, and this is the way I'll achieve it following this system, then maybe that takes away a lot of the frustration that they would get if they buy into a system but don't follow it because they're not they're not sure or clear on what they're involved in. Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's very well summed up, yes. Oh, that's really good. Well, this is Do you have any final words? This is just that you've... You said said it so clearly. There's no need to elaborate on anything. But do you have anything you'd like to leave the audience with, and then afterwards let them know how they can reach out to you if they want to contact you about anything? Well, I, I suppose I, I I do feel you know privileged to be in this position where I I am a, a, a franchisee within a, a a successful franchise, and 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 I can you know vouch for the, the fact that it's worked for me, and, and I think. I'd like to think that my franchisors think I've been a good franchisee for them, yeah. or I'll continue to be a good franchisee for them. Also, having the ability to then work with other people to set franchises up, I do think I've got a, a nice perspective of seeing from both sides of the both sides of the slope, if you like. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and anybody who's in the uh, Norfolk and Suffolk region who would like to find out more about business coaching is very welcome to to contact me or anybody in the UK who's looking to um, to take their business and expand it into through um through franchising and licensing again i'm happy to talk to them on uh, on that basis so we do the, the the business options business expansion is done on a national basis yeah my coaching is done very much across norfolk and north suffolk yeah so what is there a website or contact you know place that they can fi find you online what's the best place yeah i mean on, online my my well my email address first of all is is roger pemberton at actioncoach.com yeah um my email address sorry my website address is www.actioncoach forward slash roger pemberton yeah um and anybody who wants to talk to me about the uh, the, fr the franchising side of it i'd be happy to you know do that starting with an initial introduction to action coach and and then move across from there if, if that was of interest to anybody that's great. I'll write up all of these. I'll put all these links in the show notes of this episode great. Great. on the website, so people can just find them and just come and reach out to you and have a conversation. Yeah, that'd be that'd be great. Thank you so much, Roger. It's been really insightful, and you've brought a lot of clarity on the definition of a franchise and just your unique insights being a franchisee as well as being ad an advisor to franchisors. So, uh, thank you for taking the time to to talk to me about this. Yeah, thank you. And, 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 and thanks for the opportunity. I've, I've, I've enjoyed the talk, so thank you.